All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, and the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. I think they're great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, everyone, today I have a real treat for you. We have our first Air Force Colonel on the call uh, call today, a former Air Force Colonel. He he, uh, served in the Air Force for over 25 years. He is just a great servant leader. I loved his title on LinkedIn, who is a Jedi at developing individuals, effective organizations, teams, and growing emotionally intelligent and resilient leaders. His company now is called Elevating Others, and really that you know, that mission is is his joy and his passion today. So we're going to talk a lot about, you know, what he learned about leadership in the military and, and what he does today. Please welcome none other than Jay Scott Heathman to the podcast. Welcome, Thank you. Scott. Thank you so much, Alex. It's great to be here. All right. Yeah, I think a lot of people that have never been in the military, they may have like misconceptions about, you know, kind of what is taught and how leader, like how leaders are made or, um, you know, how they can translate into the civilian uh, life and, and, and just what those skills are. You know, of course, you know, people think of things like work ethic and dedication and showing up on time and things like that. But there are other like you know, let's call them, I, I, I use the term human skills, you know, when some people say soft skills and some people are like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, a soldier in the Air Force or a cadet, you know, they're how they emotionally intelligent. They're going out and, um, you know, they're 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 trained to fight the enemy. But I think there's a lot that can be learned. So, you know, if if I could, before I get into like the question about, you know, kind of what you like really what you've learned um, and what selling by being human means to you. Tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of what you've learned yourself. What are the the key things that you've noticed from being now out, out of the military for 25 years is a long time? What are some of the things that you think people that are transitioning out of the military, skills that they possess that they may not realize that they really are very proficient at? Um, when they translate into the business world? Yeah, I, you know, that's the question that all of us veterans get about this transition. And and we spend a lot, I say we, the community of veterans that have ever transitioned, whether you've retired or separated or whatever the circumstances are, you know, it's, what do you do now? Like, what if I have such a technical skill in the military, what do I do now? And I think the the one thing that a lot of people in the private sector i'll just i'll just say that maybe misunderstand about the military is there's an awful lot of education invested in each and every one of us at multiple levels throughout our career to the envy i think of many many companies you know if i were to list out all the different educational experiences i've had it blows folks away during interviews 
I mean, I've got three master's degrees. I, I, I didn't go into the military thinking I would have all of these master's degrees. I, I'm not in the business of collecting master's degrees, but that's formal education. But there's been education and for me, pilot training, a year's worth of education, not just to learn how to fly airplanes, but you know, to, to learn things like collaborating with a partner on my wing, building self-confidence to fly an airplane solo and do things like aerobatics, stuff like that, uh, leading missions. So all these things that you train as a young age, when later down the road, you become an aircraft commander and you're leading a crew of people, all of these things are building blocks to something bigger. And what this translates in the outside world is, to me, it's endless. It's, it's almost, you almost need to sit down with yourself, not for a, a night or a weekend, but for several days and just think about as a as a former military member think about all the things you learned not just maybe the fact that you're an aircraft mechanic or an explosive ordnance disposal expert uh and those little crafts that that you can do extremely well but think about all the things that it took to get you there did you manage or lead small teams were you collaborating you almost need to ask yourself these questions and that's the skills that that a lot of us can bring to the private sector. And a lot of us are guilty of kind of underselling that. And uh, we need to get better. And we have these transition programs and a lot of nonprofits out there that are uh, doing incredible work with veterans to help them uh, not undersell themselves, but really get them in a position where they can potentially shine with a company that maybe needs their talents. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, I like when you say it. So it's like, you know, sometimes you have to ask questions. Everybody does, whether you're in the military or not. Like, what are you doing? Were you collaborating? Are you collaborating with people? Are you, you know, are there instances where you've, you know, had to, like, are there instances where you've, you know, people asking you for ideas and, you know, you ask, you offering ideas? Like, are there situations where you had to, like demonstrate value about yourself at work and what were those like what did those look like that sort of thing because like we will undersell ourselves if we don't actually get intentional about asking ourselves some of these questions about you know what we actually do on a daily basis even if like you're really skilled at sales like what are what did i do this month where like what what situations have i been put in where i had to you know, elicit change at my company. And what did, what was that like? How did I feel about it? What did it feel like? That sort of thing. I, I'm curious, like, you know, kind of transitioning to this question, like when we're, you know, either selling something at work or maybe you have to sell your, uh, there's a lot of military people right now, like having, you know, being faced with that situation. I'm certain that you did as well. And, you know, and yeah, yes, you have this great background. But when I say the term, like, you know, there's lots of ways you could sell yourself. You could talk about yourself and talk about your achievements and that sort of thing. But when I'd say the, ser- the, the term to you, sell something by being human, what does that mean to you? How would you define that kind of a, a way of selling uh, if I described it to you? Yeah, I, I think the image that keeps popping in my head is this kind of image of a whole, of a whole self, you know, bringing your whole self um, either into your organization or potentially to a client or uh, maybe working on an initiative, some, something like that, where you're not only bringing um, your ability to critically and creative think or 
your ability to provide directive feedback or servant leadership, whatever that may be. But you're bringing those little things that make up you. Um, because there's, there, if there's one thing I'm also learning on this journey, and it's important for, I think, anybody transitioning out of the military to remember this is, you know, however, whatever span of time you served in the military, you know, I really appreciate any time that somebody has put into that endeavor. That's a, a professional that raised their hand and said, I'm willing to defend the con Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Anybody willing to go to that extreme and with those sacrifices in mind is, is to me, a blessing for this country. And so I'm not wrapped up about how much time somebody spent in the military, but when you transition, it's important to remember that your identity was not just one of you being in a military uniform. Your identity is human. You're human first, all right? I'm Scott first, you know, and Simon Sinek talks about this in his book, um, Leaders Eat Last. You know, there's a point in time where I had my own parking spot, you know, people poured coffee you know, uh, brought me coffee in a, in a beautiful mug. Um, my name's on the wall, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's a little overwhelming, but that all changed in one day. Right. Um, now it's like, yeah, the coffee's over there to start. From the <laughs> wall, right? so, um, Get your curia gone. Yeah. 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 You could go, you know, grab yourself a cup of coffee if you need it, but you have to remember that, that, that may have represented a period of time for me, but that isn't just me. But I have some wonderful experiences that I just put in to my toolbox to now bring to another part of life, interacting with people or leading people or mentoring and coaching others. All of these years of military experience or whatever you, you did uh, for 20, 25 years and you're now shifting gears into another career field, I would hope that you don't look at that as that's the only identity you have. You have you and you need to be you first, not Colonel Heathman, but Scott with all of the superpowers now and skills that I've learned. Now, how else can I go be effective for someone else or another team or an organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny, we were part of this community with uh, the Outliers Project. And, and, and you know, uh, we had uh, Julia Borson from uh, CNBC, and she mentioned something like one of her things that she learned with all these CEOs, she had interviewed all these female leaders. And one of the things she had learned is, you know, like your, your, you know, identify some of your, your superpowers, like so the superpowers you think that aren't, you know, like, don't, don't think that superpowers aren't things that you already have. Like, don't lose sight of those things, like who you are. And, and sometimes think that's why I want to know with you, like, how did you kind of balance some of that in the military? Because my, my vision of the military is, you know, commanders and colonels, it's very like top down. It's like, you, you have an order, do it. You know, it's just like, do this, like, and there's no questioning authority or colonels. Like if you have an order, like you, you have to do it. And it's very like straight and, and, you know, maybe there's some people in high positions in the military that are um, maybe a little rough around the edges, let's say, and, and they're not, you know, they, they, they are just by the book of what you're, you're, you're just ordering, right? Like serving orders, delivering orders, as opposed to like balancing, um, you know, like l orders with real, you know, leadership and, and, um, you know, your own personality. So, you know, yeah, talk about that. Like, how did you balance like who you were with what you were required 
what your position demanded of you or required of you in in terms of um, delivering like this top down approach. I'm curious about that. Sure, I, you know, I would say for I'll take the time frame later in life when I was uh, leading uh, an air force base. You know, that's a small city with an airport, with a security team, with a fire department, with a clinic. I mean, you got it all, right? It's a city. It takes situational leadership. You know, you, you can't just run the place kind of Patton-esque all day long. You know, Patton was a great leader, but I think Patton may not have said it out loud to a lot of people, but I'm sure there's some things where he regretted, I probably should have taken a little different approach. You know, I'm guessing, I, we will never know, right? But, uh, you know, I, I admire that him as the person and the leader that he was, but I think you got to know when to shift into different styles for the given situation. You know, for instance, you know, if I'm flying an aircraft with a crew and we lose an engine due to some malfunction, it's probably not a good time to burst down into this collaborative leadership style if I'm the one in charge of the mission or the aircraft, right? It's probably time to be directive and 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 maybe a little bit authoritative on how I want things done because time is of the essence and uh, we need to get the aircraft safely on the ground. Same thing goes for a crisis though. You know, we we certainly had accidents on 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 the base. You know, it didn't happen that often, but we had an aircraft that experienced a malfunction and you know we've got we've got human beings involved we've got airplane involved we got all kinds of things and uh that may not be a time to all of a sudden just lose your cool and start just you know directing traffic you know it it is going to take cool and calmness and still be directive but doing it in a kind with candor way, if you will. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this kind kindness. You can still be directive, but you can do it with kindness and he calls it kind candor. And, and I love that because it doesn't mean that you have to be a yeller screamer. And I've certainly seen my fair share of yeller screamers. I've been on the other end of that many times. There have been some times where I've done that. And uh, sometimes I've regretted doing that. And you know, you you learn through those failures that you know what this was this was a style that wasn't effective uh, for the team for the given situation and and these are like little imprints that a young leader goes through and you hope you learn enough of these so that you got them all in your head right you got every given situation but you don't you you, you don't I have never been through a flood on an air force base until I was leading a base where we had a 200 year flood you know i've i mean there's not a lot of times i i wake up and go let's think about what would happen if a flood came today but you know it's you do think about emergencies like that and natural disasters and you know what would happen if we had a a um, a shooter on the base what would happen if you know we had a hazardous spill of some sort on the base we practice you know, some of these so that we do have an idea of who we're going to call, who we're going to collaborate with, what's the kind of the timeline and the process. But when you're in the heat of the moment, you know, that's when your real leadership comes out, right? This is when the true colors really comes out is during a crisis. And uh, you can only tabletop these exercises so much until you get one and you're like, hmm, I probably shouldn't have said that at the meeting or should have gone this way, but you also learn 
you know, I, I believe anybody who's on a lengthy leadership journey like that is certainly learning from the leaders they see or have had in their lives. And I, I've been blessed with some incredible leaders and I've had other leaders I've learned a lot from. I'll just put it that way, you know, and you learn the, the things that worked well and you learn the things that didn't work so well. And you just keep imprinting them into your your brain. Hopefully someday when you're going through the card catalog and a situation comes up, you're like, wait a second, I've seen that one before. OK, here's what I saw them do. I'm going to maybe use that as a framework. Oh, nope, it's not working out. Now I got to adapt and and uh, shift gears here, which happens more often than not. But that, I think, to me, is a lot with what you can learn along the way, how you utilize coaching and mentoring sessions with others to to really kind of build that Rolodex of what would Johnny do? What would Sally do? What did she do in that situation that I saw? Maybe this will work for me, too. But it's got to be adaptable to the given situation in the context. You just can't. I don't think we can survive in leadership roles maintaining this same style no matter what. At some point, it's going to break and it's not going to be something that others will want to follow. And that that's a dangerous spot. So, yeah, I mean, as I'm hearing you talking, I, I, I feel like. The, the people that, you know, you led, the people, uh, you know, under you in the chain, you, you know, you respected them. Like there was this level like that you saw them as as people like, yes, they are. They have a role to play within the military and the, the chain of command. And, and you knew their responsibilities. Right. But you didn't look past them, you know, as a person. And, you know, you've said, you know, you've, you've seen leaders do it really well. You know, others you've learned from and, and you kind of have felt that probably when you were just viewed as, hey, you're just this you know, you're a number in the Air Force, right? You know, you're, you're, you're here. We're all here, like, you know, for the mission. And it's just about the mission and not the person. And like, you know, I've, I've heard it stated like, hey, you know, like at the end of the day, it's about the mission, but it's also about bringing everybody home and, and the person next to you. And you're, you know, in, in, in that book, Leaders Lead Last, which is a great story. I'm sure you geeked out on that, that story of the, the Air Force pilot going through the canyon in, you know, Afghanistan or something like that, flying beneath the clouds. And under no circumstances do you do that because he's going to get shot at it if he goes in the, underneath the clouds. But he could hear people under that. He could hear his team under there. And he's like, if if I don't do this and, you know, I go under these clouds and, you know, return fire or something, people are going to die. Like people he could hear people on his team that were down there that needed help. And they were like, yeah, keep keep it up. Keep going. But he you know, went against a direct, I think, order to do that. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you talk about those leaders and gaining influence in that way, yeah, like before the military, like tell me about like kind of the story of you getting in. I know like I've heard it said on uh, you, you on other podcasts, all you wanted to do is I see in the the star, we talked about Star Wars, all you wanted to do is, you know, pilot the Millennium yeah, Falcon. Right there? Yeah. I do. And, and you're still working on that. But yeah, tell me like when you first, you know, kind of realized the, you know, some of the the power of, of of some of this true leadership. What it could be, what like the the um the the results of of what that looked like. You know, I don't know if this was at home or, you know, kind of before the military. But you know, yeah, tell tell me a little bit about growing up. I mentioned this story at my retirement ceremony, and uh, I can remember in high school, uh, I can remember vividly. I played football, baseball growing up and it was baseball season and I actually got cut my senior year and I was just, I was livid. And uh, I can remember coming home and my parents were like, well, 
you better go find a job. You're not going to be sitting around here sulking about this because you can't, there's nothing you can do about it now. Right. So I actually got a job at a car wash just, just down the road from where I lived. And my dad had done some engineering work for the owner because uh, they were expanding the building and uh, my dad's a, a structural engineer. And uh, he said, maybe you should go interview, you know, down at this car wash. And, and uh, I was like, okay, I'll go do it. I mean, look, this is not the greatest work in the world, but you know what? It's a job. And Daryl was the owner, this, this gentleman named Daryl. And uh, I was so struck by, I'll call it his servant leadership style now, because back then I really didn't know like if that, what that term was or wasn't aware of that style, but his style of leadership, um, people first a hundred percent each and every day. Uh, and it was interesting, you know, I, I got some really unique times to spend with Daryl. He knew I was wanting to go into the Air Force. He knew I got an ROTC scholarship and I really wanted to fly airplanes. And and uh, he had a son that wanted to go to the Naval Academy and as well, just a, maybe a couple years behind. But so he found that really fascinating and he was really interested in me getting there and understanding my passions. So we got to spend some kind of intimate times together talking about leadership. And it may just be him talking to me as I'm driving a car or whatever. But he told me that at one point, you know, we had probably, I don't know, 15, 20 folks that worked there. But at one point he said, you know, Scott, I, I hired a lot of former convicts to work at the car wash. And I was like, are you serious? I like, I didn't know that. I, I, I don't, I probably should have maybe looked around a little bit more. There were some clues, you know, there, there were some <laughs> tattoos and <laughs> tattoo has been there, but there's a style of tattoo that you only find <laughs> some tears. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, when you talk to them, they would say the same thing, you know, um, but he told me, he said, look, everybody's got a gift. Okay. We all make mistakes, but if you're willing to be accountable for the things you've done, and you're trying to move forward, well, who am I if I'm not someone providing an opportunity for someone? Again, we all make mistakes, some more serious than others, but if we're trying to find a way to move forward, I think we're in a good spot. And these are the kinds of things he would talk to me about. And the way that he treated people, even when they made mistakes, when I made mistakes at the car wash, you know, pull me aside, he's like, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. So give this a try. It wasn't this, again, yelling, screaming, and neither did the people around me. Like, they weren't yelling and screaming at each other. There'd be some annoyed looks at maybe, okay, you're the rookie and you do something wrong. But it it did not feel like this testy environment where everybody's judging each other. We worked together, we succeeded together, and that was the mentality. We had a very servant leader at the helm. Fast forward a few years, I, I'm in college, I completed my second year of ROTC. I went to school at uh, Illinois Tech in Chicago. And now I'm at my summer camp. It, this basically the where all the officers spend at least 28, 30 days at a camp to, again, hone these leadership skills, kind of like a boot camp, if you will. And it's exactly what you would expect out of boot camp. There's a lot of yelling and screaming, you know, yelling to get off the bus, get on the bus. You know, you're walking around, you're marching everywhere. I mean, it, it's the whole environment. And I got a chance to lead our flight, which is like a flight of like 16 people, Delta flight. And uh, I remember 
I was a little too bossy. Like I wanted us to show up on time because we had a reputation of not being on time. We had a reputation of maybe not giving our full effort. So I was going to get a little Napoleonic with everybody and like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get here. And if you don't get here, I'm going to, I'm going to direct you to all do more push-ups. And, and I really, <laughs> I was so wrong. It's, in the in the way I knew I was wrong, I had a couple folks in the flight approach me at night, um, and they kind of cornered me. It was like an intervention, and uh, they said, "Scott, um, you know, we know you're only in charge here for a couple days because they they rotate who gets to lead just to give it, uh, different people experience." But they said, "Hey, this ain't this style isn't working. Like you're losing us, my friend." And they said, "If anything." let a couple of us maybe act that way towards the flight and we'll help you, but you be you. Um, one, you're not intimidating because you're five foot one. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> right. So whatever you try to do, it ain't you, you know? And uh, they just, they just focused, had me focus on me being me and what would I want and how would I want to be led and that's where the, the switch flipped and light bulb came on. I was like, I don't have to act like this militaristic thing in the military environment. You can actually go a different direction and lead and inspire people a variety of ways. So use what's appropriate for, the again, the situation, and you probably will get a little bit more out of them. Um, and I started to find ways where, hey, you be the timekeeper. Um, Hey folks, we've been late. Uh, if we're on time, I, I'm gonna try to snag an extra loaf of bread for everybody. I don't know how, but I'll see if I can do it. You know, um, or hey, let's get here for once because I I think this is something we can be proud of. Instead of just yelling and screaming orders, um, that mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. I think really changed me a lot um, because I, I just thought it was something I saw in the movies, and this is the way I just needed to act. You know. And it was just, it was wrong for me and it was wrong for the situation. And, and more importantly, it was wrong for them ultimately here, right? It's all about them. It's not about me. And it's not about me being on time. It's about us being on time and us being professionals and us, you know, meeting the standard. Um, it's not about me getting the promotion because I met the standard, you know, that's, I think, a difference uh, that some people um, may not always see, you know, it's about them. And so I really appreciate those guys having their intervention with me and getting my head straight. So, wow. I've never heard of anything like that happening. Like people like that, it might be like subordinates, like that have the uh, like were, cojones yeah. to, to, to go to their commander at the time. Well, they were both six like feet tall too. Okay. So they, there you go. There you go. They were, they had a, okay. They had some confidence going. <laughs> But I like that reframe of like, you know, kind of like, you know, hey, if we can be if we can get here, you know, this is something we can be proud of. Like, hey, this is a goal that like us as a collective needs to hit. Like this isn't something like that I need to hit. Like if it's about like, hey, this is a goal that I need to hit. I need us to hit or I this is a goal like I know like I'm going to be, you know, above me. Like this is how I'm, you know, viewed. This is how, like or or sometimes even leaders that might even say like if you're if you're trying to create change at work you may have heard a boss say hey like this is this is just how we're being viewed and like this this metric is how like 
we're being evaluated, so we need to hit it or else. Like this is going to be bad on 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 all of us. But what they really mean is this is going to be bad on me. This is going to be look bad on me. Um, and it's not framed in a way as like, hey, if we can get here together as a collective, it's something like we can be proud of. Like it's something that. Like this is like our goals as a team. Like we we want to do this. It's not because of some outside person's making us. It's like it's something about all of us, right? It's not something that I'm making you do because I want I want it. I need it. You know, it's for for myself. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm curious, like of the inverse where you've seen maybe, you know, maybe some really really like great situations like around you where, you know, you are a part of like a, a team, like, like the leader above you, like he, he really, he or she really inspired the, the group to, to perform. And they, they, they were coming at it with like, in it maybe it was a stressful situation, but they came at that situation where they, you know, really helped people like, you know, maybe it was, they, maybe they collaborated in something in a situation where, you know what, this could have gone a completely different way. And, and they could have like, they were maybe even justified asking, acting a little bossy or acting a little, you know, stern with people. Can you think of something like that where you were part of a team in the military where, you know, something like that happened? Yeah. I, you know, one of my first squadron commanders, what she did extremely well was she got to know us on a level that was just more than kind of what you see walking around. You know, because it's too easy to judge people just based on, you know, what you see of them each and every day. You know, they, the kind of what's up mentality when you walk by. But when you start asking, uh, I, I heard a, a student in a class I was teaching. She, she said that in her organization, they say to each other, well, "What does your windshield look like today?" And I'm like, that's actually, I like that. That's really insightful. What's your windshield look like today? Is it chipped? Is it clear? Is it foggy? You know, is it a little bit dirty? Uh, do the windshield wipers need to be replaced? But it it affords the other person an opportunity to respond uh, with something other than what's up back or yes or no answer with a yes or no. It's more open ended. And she was uh, this commander was extremely good at asking us questions, getting us to talk more about who we were. And she was getting to know us below the waterline, if you think of an iceberg, you know, where all that stuff you rarely see unless you really sit down and talk with somebody. And she was good about taking that information and then finding uses for it, like in times when we would least expect it. You know, it might be like one of the things I loved doing was I loved video and video editing, kind of self-taught, loved taking videos of air refueling you know, where the airplane comes up to the back of another one and they refuel in flight. And every once in a while, I'd go in the back and sit next to the boom operator and take a few seconds of film to watch the airplane come up. I mean, they're within, you know, 15, 20 feet. You know, it's pretty cool, pretty dangerous, but pretty cool. And I would, she knew I loved doing that. She's like, hey, do you think you could put together a video of some of the air refueling just to kind of as like a year end project? I'm like, I would love to do that. Now, this isn't a job that I have in the military. This isn't, that wasn't a direct order. That was something she knew about me. And she knew I would probably enjoy doing something like that. And then she gave me a lot of recognition for that. I think the leaders that know how to do those things and pull out the superpowers, like, like again, we heard from uh, our speaker today, 
finding these little nuggets and then finding ways to recognize folks for those. Or it could be understanding how different people learn. Maybe you've got a group of leaders or mid-level leaders and all of them learn a different way and you're trying to get them to be competitive for promotions or higher levels of leadership, sending them to courses which actually kind of feed their needs in a way that they can comprehend. That's true growth and development right there. You know, some people love to just listen to, to uh, you know, lengthy speeches. Some people like to read research papers. God bless those folks. You know, I like to watch movies. I'm a visual learner. So if it's a podcast, you know, watching and listening, if it's a, you know, a virtual training, I can, I can digest that all day long, but it, it's hard for me to reach a real heady level academic papers unless I have to for school, you know, I'll switch gears when I need to, but when you deliver that kind of education and growth and training to people, that's almost like a customized approach. Oh my gosh. I, I think those leaders that have done that for me and understood that about me. So I, I think that's a skill that to me is like PhD level leadership who really gets to understand folks below the surface of the water and can utilize that ability to the whole team's advantage. So they're, they're some of the most effective organizations that do that. So I love that question. I'm going to you know, totally steal that question. I'm going to weave it into, you know, yeah, what's, your, my, windshield yeah, what's, yeah, what's your windshield look like today? <laughs> you know, what's remarkable, what you're talking about to me, honestly, like through this conversation, even I'm learning because like, honestly, my stereotype of the military is what you see on movies. It's, you know, people getting yelled at. It's, it's people ordering. It's like even, even hearing, you know, from my father-in-law, you know, about the military, it's, you know, you don't question your 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 commander. There's no there's no there's no like, hey, how would you like uh, to do this mission today? Like, what would you think, cadet? You know, what what's your opinion? How should we do this? This is, you know, I'm the the leader, and you're doing it this way because I told you and I said so, and it seems very rigid to me. And what you're describing is like, yeah, there are guardrails of what you're supposed to do in a mission, right? Like, this is what this is the objective, and this is what we're here to do. But what you're talking about is like. These leaders that you're talking about, like they 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 possessed a little bit of flexibility within those guard whales of how they, you know, wanted to buy get buy in from their their team and um, how to how to get people to, you know, maybe want to work even harder for them or want to, you know, open up to them. I'm I'm sure there's probably people you can think of in your career that maybe were like when they first met you, they're like, okay, how is this guy going to be? Maybe I'm not going to talk to to Scott. I'm not going to reveal too much information about them. So I don't want him to use it against me, but maybe you were able to, you know, get more out of them. Like you were get them to like, maybe, you know, bring out more of their capabilities to the surface because of how you interacted with them. So, you know, yeah, like for, for those people that might have like a, a thought uh, or a stereotype of, hey, like you can't really go beyond or be flexible. Like, um, you know, what would you say in terms of like, you know, how the leaders that you're talking about, how they, you know, how, you know, how they, they, they view their position in the military and in and, and getting the most out of people? Yeah, I, I'd say just, yeah, one point to kind of go uh, back, like there is a, a perspective that I think folks that have never served in the military, or maybe they don't have any family members that have ever served, you know, that, yeah, the only thing they really see is maybe what's on TV or or maybe at a, 
at a Memorial Day or a Veterans Day event or something like that. And it's unfortunate. And I think the military and veterans, we veterans need to do a better job of, uh, again, making sure there's not such a big divide between that understanding, you know, and, and again, that requires just a lot of talking to each other, spending time with each other. You know, again, this is, times have changed. And we have seen even leadership change remarkably in the private sector from the 40s to the 50s to the 60s, you know. So, you know, we change with that too. I think to get to your question, boy, I we are taught quite a few different ways to apply our leadership skills. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and don't get me wrong that there absolutely is a time and place where if I tell you it's time, we need to take that hill, it's time to go. You know, we this is serious business. You know, we're here to, uh, you know, defend our nation at all costs. When we're in conflict, we're there to win. You know, no, no, no if, hands, or buts about it. We're there to kick butt and take names. And, uh, you know, we're going to do our very, very best and, and, and hopefully not lose anybody or get anybody hurt. But it happens. It's a serious, serious business. But in those moments where you have the opportunity to train, to organize, maybe practice, exercise before those things, those are the times I think you you learn to practice taking risks before you actually have to take the risks. And leader needs to assess, is this the right time to apply this style of leadership? Is this going to get me across the finish line or meet our mission objectives? Is this going to incur a lot of casualties or or potentially not you know so a leader in the military is constantly assessing risk whether it's operational risks or human risk you know as far as conversing how am i gonna connect with that person who seems to be a peanut m&m versus maybe a uh, regular m&m you know and connecting with people and things like that um you know, there's still risk there too. You know, I've had plenty of people who are a little bit standoffish with me and, or they see me as like, wow, that's not who I thought the base commander would, how they would act. I'm like, no, this is what you get, you know, but this is my style and it's worked for me. And, uh, you know, but there are times when they've seen me obviously in a different style, given, given the circumstances. But again, that's kind of the PhD level of leadership is when you start assessing risk, taking chances, being bold. I've got a saying that I've uh, I've kind of articulated for myself and that's be present, be bold, be innovative. And to me, being bold requires you to have a level of understanding of your people being present first before you can really assess those risks and how far can I push Johnny or Sally today? You know, can I actually ask them to do this thing that I've done before, but maybe they're not ready for, or do I think they're ready for it, but they're just, they think that they're lacking the confidence. I know they can do it. Um, those are the challenges I think that um, a military leader is constantly going through. And small unit leadership, small organizational leadership is the hardest of all, because you all know each other, probably quite intimately. You know, you know about each other's families, you know, our pet peeves of each other, what annoys them, how to press that person's buttons. You know, it's hard, I think, to lead even at the smallest level. But at the largest level, when you're leading thousands, I think it requires a, of a level of uh, reverse mentoring, meaning a senior leader needs to be open 
to receiving and accepting feedback. Doesn't mean you have to go along with it, but I think you need to be in a mindset to adequately receive it and accept it and uh, not take it personal when uh, a young sergeant or young airman says, sir, I think I have a better way. Listen to him. This is what Jack Welch finally figured out in his later days, you know, is this idea of reverse mentoring. And what do the frontline workers have to say about this policy that I just put out? Is it a good one? Does it bound them too much? Or is it right on target? Did I actually get enough input to put out a decent policy or provide a, you know, a, a level of boundary and protection for them? Or am I constraining things too much that they can't move forward, you know? So uh, I think the more senior you get, you have to open yourself up to more feedback and reverse mentoring. I can't even, you know, when I'm thinking about that, like someone high, high up, like, you know, like they, they're expected to know, like with all this experience, right? 20 years experience, like, you know, Scott's have to, you know, if he's given an order, it's based on a lot of experience and, and, you know, trial and error. And so like, chances are, is he, if he's given me an order, like, who am I? I'm, I'm just new to the military. I'm one or two years in. How can I tell this guy 20 years in, you know, what, the, what the hell to do? What do I know? Like, yeah. you know, when you met people, did you um, start new relationships? Cause like some people may think by, by opening yourself up to say, Hey, I'm open to feedback. People may think, well, does he know is, does, is he a strong leader? Does he know what the hell is going on here? If he's just like, Hey, I'm, this is a democracy here. And I'm, you know, all, all ideas welcome. Like he should, he should have ideas. He should come with ideas. So how did you like, you know, uh, create space for people to be willing to give feedback to you. Cause I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's one thing to like be open to feedback. It's another thing to like actively solicit it and do it in a way that still, you know, shows that you're, you know, a strong leader and that you're knowledgeable and that you're, you're uh, an apt and um, competent leader. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, again, it's a balanced approach, right? So you're not, I agree with you that if you're out all the time saying to people, uh, give me, give me, give me. I would start to wonder, like, are they are they truly asking for feedback, or are they maybe they don't know what they're doing? Um, you know, I think we all have really good senses. Like, you know, yeah. we we kind of understand if, yeah, their experiences match what they're they're just asking for this piece of feedback. I yeah. would uh, I balance that by when I was always walking around with with the other senior leaders of the base. You know, as we go visit organizations and see how they're doing. You know, what what's uh, really got them in a in a bind these days and what are they really happy about what is their uh what does their building look like you know is it full of trash or are they actually taking care of it you know um i i would ask those i would ask feedback in those kinds of sessions like maybe i'd run across a civilian who's worked in the clinic for 20 years and i would just say something as simple of look if you were in my spot today what's the one thing in your job that boy, you could really change today. What, you know, what, what have you been fighting for, for 20 years, for every leader that's come in here every two years, you know, because that's what our command tours are generally mm, two years. Like um, what would you change about your job or to, if you were a king for a day, I think that kind of a question doesn't make it look like I can't do my job. It's offering them an opportunity to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And you're holding you're holding court here a little bit, but you're also creating some psychological safety. You know, you really do want to hear from them. I like, I really do want to know what's on your mind or, um, 
you know, um, yeah, maybe the electricity doesn't work in this room and you could really use this as a, instead of a storage room, it could be a room for repairing tools or whatever. And, you know, like if we only fix the electrical problems we have in here, we could get this thing wrong. Well, let me dig into that a little bit more and let me ask some more questions. Um, I, I think it's understandable too, though, as, as, as subordinates see leadership go higher and higher, I think they do understand that, hey, they're leaders become a little bit more of a generalist. You know, they're probably experts in certain things. I'm not an expert in any way on clinical operations, but I had a pretty big clinic, right, that I that I was in charge of. Um, now, I've got leaders who know that business who absolutely were in charge of very specific things in there. And, you know, they would report on, on you know, readiness things. They would report on safety measures and things like that. Um, I am in no way going to go in there and tell them how to run clinical operations when I do not know that. Um, but you do, it is your responsibility to understand, you know, what's good and bad about this organization, about what they do and things like that. Um, I, I Again, I, I found very specific times where I would use reverse mentoring to my advantage. And it might be during a leadership course. It might be during a commander's call where um, maybe I'm up front and and my chief is up front with me and we're talking and then we invite others to come up and talk about programs they're doing so that it's not always me up there you That's know nice. talking yeah. about something that I don't generally really know about or we would hold small um, innovation sessions where it's a, a whole group of experts regardless of rank and let them talk about the problem set and what they see as some potential solutions or brainstorm and things like that. So I think you got to kind of mix it up. Um, and like I said, human beings are pretty smart. You know, they can kind of smell the inauthenticity uh, in a leader real quick. And, or when you're not being true to yourself, uh, they'll, they'll pick that up over time. It's just a matter of time. Um, you know, if you're finding a way to kind of balance that out, uh, but also showing a real desire to learn from them. That's where you start to really develop those levels of trust mm -hmm. that really kind of put the culture into overdrive as far as yeah. positivity and and really get it humming. So, yeah. well, as we kind of kind of near to the end, like what, you know, talking about because I like how you put that desire to learn from people. I think that's so key in creating change for anything. Like it's like if people like really feel like you have a desire, a true desire, you're not just asking questions to, you know, get at some, you know, personal agenda it's it's you know they 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 feel that desire that you have to to learn about them then you know then yeah there's there's a lot of things that can open up from those conversations so you know tell me a little bit like as we end off like tell us a little bit about like what you do today with uh you know kind of like the 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 you know practice that you have right now with um elevating others what are you doing who you're talking to and and you know what it, what are you doing there to you know uh Kind of take what you've learned from the uh from the air force and you know translate into the business world yeah i i just i think i'm a pilot that fell in love with the leadership journey and so i know very clearly like that's where my passion is is um helping others kind of reach their reach their peak potential you know the highest altitude with the best performance that they can get so um 
I, I work with individuals, you know, whether that's through individual coaching. Um, I work with organizations. Uh, if they've got certain problems that maybe it's culture related or maybe it's uh, they're really not good at communicating with each other or cross-functionally or maybe they're not good at direct feedback, <laughs> you know. Um, executives, you know, there are many executives out there who can say, hey, I'm not very good at this. They may not say it in public, but they may be brave enough to invest in themselves and say, hey, I would like to learn more about this. I'm working with one client right now who really wants to work on their executive presence. I mean, what a great skill to, to work on who could potentially find themselves at the top of their organization someday. You know, they're not that far away um, and, and they just need some fine tuning. And so again, from a coaching standpoint, I work with individuals and in, in companies. I do a lot of independent consulting as well, uh, as well as some uh, teaching. Um, I, I feel like I'm kind of giving back, but I'm, I'm doing some uh, teaching for one company uh, with, where it's a lot of leadership development topics, things like coaching and mentoring, performance and accountability, the challenges of leadership. Uh, these are the courses um, that I teach, which are primarily in the government side, federal employees. Um, but I also do some of that, um, you know, if there's a, a customized need that a business needs, um, I can design that for someone. One, I just love doing it. I love picking apart, opening up the hood of the car, seeing where the knock is and showing people, I think it's right here. And these are the things that I would recommend. And then giving them the tools to, to work through that and hopefully get that thing humming really good, get their organization really flowing. Um, and then I'm, I'm also doing some keynoting, you know, here and there. Um, you know, I've got a couple stories on resilience that I give. I do a lot of emotional intelligence training, uh, which seems to be quite popular right now. Um, and, and I agree, it's a passionate subject of mine that uh, I've been teaching for about five years now. And uh, even in uniform, I was teaching emotional intelligence courses. So, um, you know, in one sense, I kind of feel like a freelancer, but this is where my joy is. And that's in elevating others to to reach their full potential. Yeah, I love it. Well, you know, it's I, I could talk. Uh, I, it, it amazes me like, um, you know, a, a colonel in the military is talking about emotional intelligence to, um, you know, in uniform. Um, you know, uh, again, with, with, you know, yeah, you come out of your class and like, here, let's go to rifle training uh, after that. But, you know, it's like, hey, at the end of the day, like, you know, to work in teams, to understand people, you have to be able to read people. You have to understand what people are feeling. And, you know, some, you know, we're all, we all have feelings. Let's just be honest. Like, you know, yeah, you yeah. know, it's not like people in the military and go out, go off and kill the enemy are doing it without any emotions that they're struggling with, whether that's stuff with their family and personal and, you know, their careers, their, 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 their things going on. Yes. They're, they're, they're trained to turn that off and like, Hey, when we're about the mission, it's about the mission. And that's, that's about it. But that doesn't mean those get totally erased from their mind. It's just that you, you, you know, work through them, you work with them, you learn to handle and, um, you know, you, you learn to kind of, um, address and, and understand your own emotions first, you know, who you are so yeah. you can understand others, um, you know, and uh, on the team. And I think, uh, throughout this whole conversation, it's, you know, that's what I keep coming back to is you were really trying to understand the best of you, bring that out, but then really being intent on, 
you know, asking people questions to get like what you said below the surface, below the water. So people are more apt to, to, to follow you and what your orders are. Yeah. Any leader, I think, uh, who can understand about their teammates, what might be going on, is just going to be in a better position to execute, you know, and, uh, you know, saying these terms like, you know, leave your emotions, check your emotions at the door. It's good luck with that. You know, good luck with that. It just is impossible. So. Well, I'm glad you said that. Well, the last question I end off on um, is just something fun with you, Scott. So, you know, maybe maybe it'll be a fun, um, fun story about you. So I, I, I'm I love like everyone. I feel like we all have these superpowers and we have these unique things about us. So like I, I love to ask people, you know, if I could ask you, uh, look, if I ask your family, you know, something about Scott, maybe it's an event, something that happened to you, something that is just so totally you. What is what is something that they would tell me about you? Maybe it's something that, you know, like I said, an event that happened to you or just something that describes you and is just so totally you. What would they tell me? I, I think my I'll, I'll tell you two two things here. I, one, I'd say my family's always amazed at the people I meet, you know, that it, it's kind of funny. We laugh about it. They're like, why? How in the world did you meet Robert Kraft? you know, of the New England Patriots or Joey Logano, like only you would have these selfies with these famous people. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, maybe my timing is pretty darn good, you know, where I walk in a room like, oh, there's somebody, you know, uh, that's pretty famous. Uh, It's not that I have a personal relationship with these people. um, But um, I think that's one thing that my family, even my extended family, you know, always amazed at the photographs of me and someone else are like, how in the world did you meet them? And uh, like I said, I think my timing's good. I think the other thing that a lot of people would say about me is that uh, I smile too much. And, and uh, you know, that's a good problem to have. And I know a general officer that I worked for, he told me one time, you know, and, and he was upset about a situation. And, and uh, I think we were trying to get some products to him and didn't show up on time. And of course I'm, I'm the nearest one to, to fault. You know, I, I had nothing to do with it, but I'm just the closest one that he can vent on. And, and, you know, I let him vent. And, uh, when he was done venting, I just, I kind of cracked a little bit of a smile, almost like a comforting smile. Like I hear you, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to say anything to get, you know, in between whatever he was about to go do. But, uh, um, he just he said to me, he goes, Scott, you know what's really hard, um, uh, hard about you? He goes, I don't think anybody can ever be mad at you for a very long time because you smile too damn much. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I said, thank you, sir. And he goes, now get out of my face, you know. And so I got left. But that was kind of his way of just letting me know, hey, this wasn't your fault. But I think it does stand true. Is I'm such an optimist. Um, could it get me into danger at times? Yes, but I would rather live life this way and give someone a smile because it is so hard for the other person to be so angry while you're smiling at them. At some point, they're going to break and we'll all take a breath and we'll find a way to move forward. Whether it's me dealing with it or the other person on the other side, we'll find a way to get through it and we'll maneuver and we'll go. So that might be something that I'm more well, well known for. So. Oh, well, well put. I, I'll say like I, I you could um, 
keep uh, being in my face with all that, uh, <laughs> with what you we've taught me today. Um, you know, if others want to like, um, you know, kind of meet you, Scott, and learn from you and, you know, maybe, um, you know, kind of get, get face to face and smile with you, where, where do they find you and connect with you? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I go by J. Scott Heathman. The J stands for Jeremiah. Uh, but I go by my middle name, Scott, and that's with one T. Um, you can also email me at elevatingotherstoday at gmail.com. So, um, and then my website is elevating-others.com. So, uh, yeah, I'm out there. Uh, I love learning from people and meeting new folks. So if I can be of service uh, uh, in this capacity, please let me know. Awesome. Well, your service to me and uh, I imagine a bunch of listeners uh, today and for, for a long time. So thank you so much for the conversation, Scott. It's been awesome. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.